Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. Okay. <laughs> Good way to start the recording, dude. That'll be our starting uh, little cold open. Hitler. Uh... Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. <laughs> Kanye. Uh... Hitler, one, two. <laughs> All the new thinking. Yeah, nice. Got the same About position. Hitler. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I was thinking, did you want to do Lana Del, Del Rey next time? Sure. I saw her, her book's a little expensive. Yeah, I saw yeah. that too. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about that too. I, like, mm. I mean, we could, no, do you want to, we could do a different celeb? But she's the, I guess she's the latest, isn't she? She's, she's the, the latest, yeah. Whatever. Well, let's. We can say it with the caveat that uh, assuming we can f- find affordable copies. Yeah. And if not, you might be subject to some other horrible. Uh, what's it called? Lana Del Rey. Violet bent backwards. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's. Over the grass. Oh, even more. Ugh. Yuck. Okay. Yucky. This one, oh, this one's $500 because it's signed. Damn, it is pricey. It's like, that's like 20 bucks. Dude, why? So it's like, I mean, it's like six bucks more than like a brand new poetry book. That's used. No way. No way her book is that good. I mean, it's not, dude. I would assume it's the equivalent of Jim Morrison or um, Franco or anybody else who claims to, that they can write poetry while doing something else. Or that song lyrics are the same thing. Uh, is it a line she took from Ginsburg? Probably. Ew. Even, Ew. Mo- even more appropriate to do it after, yeah, Ginsburg. But that's not this yeah. week. That's... That's how we're going to start the new year off. So. I was at a party. No, I went to a party. I came in hot. Okay, so it's her lyrics. Yeah, it's lyrics. I went to a party. Yeah. I came in hot. Can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I came into the party on. feeling like P. Diddy. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. But we'll get there. Because this this episode is a Christmas episode, even though we only have we only have one Gentile uh, on the on the cast today on the fine yeah, pod. This could be contentious. Could be contentious. So if he'll give you what it's like to grow up as a, a child that doesn't celebrate Christmas, how much it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except you know it doesn't really. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. Yeah, I do want to get your perspective on Christmas because of that. Like, not that we're just reading, like, the most famous Christmas story ever, but that... Uh, oh, we'll get there, I promise. Yeah, I do want to hear I your take. I uh, think we're going to have some different different feelings about this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to get to that, too, the nostalgia difference. Because, yeah, growing up as somebody who uh, didn't celebrate Christmas and then growing up as somebody where Christmas was a big fucking deal in my life. Like, as a kid, oh, yeah. it was, like, my favorite time of year. 
still is one of my favorite time of years, although I don't really like the cold anymore. Yeah, it's a very nostalgic time of year. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I am heavy, heavy, heavy bored. Christmas episode where we're reading the classic, the most famous Christmas story ever written, besides the actual Bible, I guess, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Everybody's heard of this. Everybody's heard of this because, again, it's the most famous Christmas story ever written apart from the Christian, you know, the Christian myth or whatever, the, uh, the Jesus story. Yeah, Sophie's shrugging at me. I was like, yeah, okay, I know, Jews, you know. <laughs> I only, I mean, you know. I know what I've been told. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a thing or two yeah. about the guy. Well, you did marry into uh, to Christmas celebrations, so now you're like stuck celebrating Christmas, whether you like. Yeah, it or but not. it's like Christmas for children, though, because there are two young nieces. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's really just about that. So it's not like. And now all of the grown-ups are like, maybe we'll just go out for sushi this year. Yeah, I mean, so basically what you're saying is if you celebrate Christmas, you're celebrating Hitler. At yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to A Christmas Carol by Charles Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Old this book... Charlie Hit, as they used to call him back in the day. Yeah, this book needs no introduction. I mean, we'll give a little bit Dickens, one of the most famous writers in the Western canon, uh, A Christmas Carol, like I said, the most famous Christmas story apart from like the myth of Jesus and all that. Uh, but give you the rundown just so we have our book lovers on this podcast. Sophie and I have the same version of this book. We've got a cheap little Bantam Classics version. Uh, we're going to link that in the description. It's a good one to have on your shelf. There are actually a lot of, when I was looking to buy a copy of this, I had never actually read this book before, but like I knew it because I'd seen the story so much and the movie adaptations and all that. But this one was like, there were a lot of cool like collector's editions available yeah. of this one, like hard covered, you know, gilded gold page, and they weren't that expensive. They're like 20 bucks for like a nice hardcover yeah, illustrated. Yeah, I mean, it's a small book. Yeah, it's like a 90 page novella, not even. And, uh, it, it, I, I thought about buying one of those because I was like, oh, man, that would be great. But then I was like, oh, if I want to write in it, I don't want to write in one of the nice hardcover, like, Gilded yeah. Pages versions. So I just bought the cheap Bantam Classics uh, edition. And the Bantam Classics was originally published uh, in six... Or no, the, the novel or the novella itself was originally published uh, in 1843. So we're going way back there with this. And then the Bantam edition that we have was originally put out in 1965. Um, and then um, the one, the edition that we have right now, the mass market edition, was originally put out in 2009. 
So that's the technical shit for all our book nerds that listen to this. Pick yourself up a copy. If you haven't read it, it's quick. It's fun. If you like the Christmas stories and like the Christmas in general, all that good stuff. All right, let's do housekeeping before I forget. Housekeeping before we move into this. A reminder to listeners, we're still looking for workshop horror stories. Send in a workshop horror story to heavyboardpodcast at gmail.com. We'll start getting into that on the air. That'll be a lot of fun. If you don't know, we also have a subscription plan. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash heavyboard and receive full uncensored episodes only for subscribers, including bonus segments that have to do with this episode, listeners. So stay tuned. Uh, if you don't want to do that, can't afford that, there are other ways to support us. You can check out, subscribe, like, and share to any of our YouTube channels. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, anywhere else you can uh, review podcasts. That helps us grow. It's a free way to support us right there. It helps us out. Uh, and that's it, as always. Support Dad, us if you, you like Did you hear my it. cat? No, I didn't. Oh, it's man, not picking up. yelling. Is she upset? No, she's just hungry. Hungry kitty. She's doing her dinner meow. Did you feed her? Bill is feeding her now. Okay. All right. Um, let's just do thoughts. Let's just do initial thoughts as always, dude. Impressions, likes, dislikes before we get into it. It's a little bored. It's a little so boring. <laughs> yeah. A little, um, you know, be nice and buy things for people. That's what I get from it. Be nice and buy things. We get into the capitalist metaphor already, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it seems... Uh, you know, and maybe it's just because, like, I already know the story, which is funny because, like, I didn't spend a lot of time with this. Like, I vaguely know it, you know. I'm sure I watched the Muppet version. Let's know, talk about child. the Muppet eventually, dude. I want to talk about the Muppet I mean, we'll have Muppet to version. because, frankly, I think it's the best one. But, yeah, it is uh, one of the better ones, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, like, it actually... The thing that surprises me is I enjoyed reading it more than I enjoy watching most versions of it. Really? Yeah. Unusual for Sophie to... Uh... Um, I mean, it didn't... Like, it's, you know, it's Dickens. He's a good writer. Like, but... Yeah. The story is so just sort of blah to me. It's just like, oh... Well, you've, like you said, we know it a hundred times. We've seen it a hundred times. We've heard it. We know how it goes. We know how it ends. Oh, I was scared into being a nice man. Scared into being a nice man. Suddenly, <coughs> I'm nice now. Yeah. I I liked it. I And like, this child isn't going to die because I'm a nice man. Uh, I liked it. I haven't read much Dickens. For somebody that has three English degrees. Uh, yeah, neither have I. It's really it's, embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing. And honestly, I was impressed for this being published in the 1840s. How 
smooth. You know, a lot of times that's like, oh, it's bogged down. The sentence structure is very long and winding for a lot of that kind of 19th century literature. We've read some well, of it on the pod before. You know, we've read some of this 19th century masterpieces and like, but Dickens has a style that I think that's, that really holds up. Like it still holds up. Like I was kind of like, I enjoyed it. I mean, the humor, we're going to talk about the humor and things like that. The jokes, the, uh, um, it flows. It flew, like kind of thing. It wasn't like this. Oh, I'm bored as shit. I just well, I flew in through some it. ways, it feels like a children's story. Yeah, there's a little bit of children's story to it. Or you mean because I mean, it, it like feels like the fable? I mean, it doesn't aspect. Yeah, well, it's a fable. It's really brief. There aren't like too many layers going on here. <coughs> you know, it doesn't no. have. You know. It's a simple I mean, story. Yeah, it's very yeah, simple. Yeah, it's story. really simple. It doesn't like the characters are not particularly complex. You know, I, like I was surprised. I mean, I'm how, sure you um, could argue against that. I'm sure we could be like, no, Bob Cratchit. Well, and I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm sure he is, but like we only get such a brief view of him. I don't think how compli- complicated a man he might be is even relevant to the story. Yeah, I did notice that. Um, reading this coming to this after seeing like you know a bunch of movie versions and actually literally watching like the muppets version and things like that almost every year of my life uh since it came out is uh bob cratchit in the actual book is not very fleshed out yeah like it's more fleshed out bob cratchit through the lore through the many interpretations in film and stage well, yeah plays i would say and, no one is as fleshed out yeah. in the book as they are in the adaptations. scrooge i mean scrooge is yeah, and marley sure. still from like what we get from that but yeah the the cratchit family even is just more of a character in a lot of the movie adaptations than it is in the although it's you know it's one of the main characters in the book still because it's his like main clerk as everybody already knows. But yeah, I mean, I liked it. I'm glad we read it because I hadn't read it before. It's another one of those books where like a lot of people pretend to have read it and just didn't, haven't. Yeah, I mean, it's also one of those books where it's like, yeah, I mean, if you have seen it, like you've basically read it. Yeah, because a lot of the you adaptations... Know, there isn't there isn't a lot you are missing, if anything, really. Um in a lot of that like i mean a lot of the adaptations i think really just not maybe not line for line but uh they lean heavily on the original dialogue yeah well since this is only like a 90 page novella like you could easily just put the entire thing into a movie without taking anything out like you could put the whole thing in like a two hour hour and a half movie you could put the whole thing in and still not have not quite enough to fill it and if you look at some of the famous specials, like one of the ones I always watched as a kid was the Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol special that would like be on TV all the time. And uh, that one's like 45 minutes and it really has the entire story in it, right? Like it's like a four, you could fit the entire book into like a 45 yeah. minute TV special in the 50s or whatever, or 60s when that came out. Uh, but yeah, it's all there. Well, it also makes sense as to why they turned it into a production that contains music. A lot of musical productions of it. Almost every adaptation contained a lot of music to it. I'm going to get into that, listeners. I'm going to do something similar like I did with Dracula, for those of that are listen to our podcast regularly. <clears throat> I'm going to go through, <clears throat> as, a, as a bonus for subscribers only, a few Christmas Carol adaptations and review them uh, compared to the novel and things like I did for Dracula. So if you're interested, subscribe. 
patreon.com slash heavy board. Uh, and we'll talk about some movie adaptations on this just because we've seen a bunch, but uh, I'm going to do the same bullshit that I did for all those that like it. I guess I'm the only one. I don't know. That uh, we'll go back and watch the silent adaptations and then like oh, the God. ones in the 50s Ugh, and then, like the God. 70s, how they changed, how they shifted. I tried when the to music watch was added. The... Yeah. Dude, I thought about watching some of the earlier adaptations. I was like, I can't do it. The most famous ones, I've been looking up a lot of them. And this one, you know, Dracula had a fuckload of movies made out of it. And then, like, you know, spin off sequels, spoofs, yeah. all that kind of shit on top of it. But this, what's the most famous? Yeah, this has 135 different movie adaptations. And that's including, like, you know, the cartoon specials like Mr. Magoo's. Yeah. 135. So I'll be doing the same thing, listeners. I'll be narrowing it down to like 5, 10 of the ones from maybe each decade, a couple decades, maybe a little bit more in the new Hollywood era and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so I'd like to go through the decades and just see how this story evolved in the pop culture inferences and like how we got to where it's like the most famous Christmas story ever written. Uh, so subscribe if you're into that. That'll be out. In December next month. That'll be out in December. Yeah. It's a little corny. Corny? Yeah. I think I kind of expected that though for like a feel good. Just because it's a redemption like kind of archetype or I mean just moments where even when Scrooge is like talking to the spirits, you know, and he instantly has the response he's supposed to have every time oh spirit i can sense that our time together is ending it's like yeah no shit (laughs) Uh can you really 200 year old book almost um but yeah and then there's a little preface in here that uh dickens wrote himself also a little corny yeah, I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to rise the ghost of an idea which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with me. May it haunt their house pleasantly, and no one wish to lay it. <laughs> their faithful friend and servant, C.D. They did that December 1843. May it haunt their house pleasantly. And that's one thing that I'm fascinated about this is because it's a Christmas story, but it's also a ghost story. Like, it's also kind of that, like, old Victorian era ghost that everybody's obsessed with, these drawing room ghost tales, you know? Yeah, well... And it um, uses that on top of the Christmas, very Christian, Western, European, you could say, um, you know, lore. And I just think that's a great little thing for the book. And it's so famous now, I think it is easy for us to be like, well, you know. Is, is there... that a tradition that started with this? Or was that a tra- were Christmas ghost stories a tradition before this? Um, I don't know. Because I know that they are. Um, I don't know. May- not as much in the U.S., but I think in the U.K. it is like a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, when like specifically we would say like Christmas ghost stories Um, but I just like the way it's used like all those different aspects but what do we think of the preface there that I read that's cute (sighs) charming charming I mean I think angling for it to be a popular 
story. Oh, what was I reading about him? Maybe I was listening to something about him that was talking about how he didn't want to sacrifice entertainment to achieve the literary. Maybe that's why I like this so much. Because so that's tried something I'm to obsessed bring with. Yeah. Sort of the popular ghost story style story yeah um with like literary themes which is why i probably like it so much and i after i read this i just i texted sophia i was like man i should probably read like all of dickens (laughs) not just because like i got through all of college and grad school without having to but um because i'm just like man it's actually pretty good like i think he he probably he cares about that through all of his um work that kind of like what still has to be entertaining you want to tell a nice deep emotionally resonant story that's like a literary thing great but like if you're not going to give us a kind of entertainment along top of that you know it doesn't quite hit the mark entertainment's important i mean like entertainment's important if you want people to read your book it has to be better you know than like every other form of entertainment you could get so let's see, apparently it was like a, it's been a long tradition, tell ghost stories at Christmas, but was like stopped by the Puritans. Oh yeah. <laughs> Those Puritans, dude. Ruining Created everything. an ordinance in 1644. Oh yeah, right before they started burning witches. Yeah. <coughs> um... Abolish the feast day of Christmas, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the religious wars of the uh, 1600s. This yeah. abruptly chant, something, something, something. And I guess it came back with a Christmas carol. Yeah, I mean, as it should. I mean, you've mentioned it already. It's an uplifting story. Maybe yeah. not if you're Very like, light. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a feel good like a lot of christmas stuff is feel good right and i think of like the most famous christmas stories that we know of like in like a lot of them are like movies that we had in the 20th century like classic movies that people roll out every christmas and things they play on like tv and stuff every christmas sure name some uh well the big one um it's a wonderful life uh, meet me in st Talking louis about to someone about that one today. I haven't actually ever watched It's a Wonderful Life. You've never seen it? But I hear it is among the darker it's dark, of yeah. the Christmas tales. Um, and it's, I was intrigued by that. It's one of the best Christmas movies ever made. One of the, I think it's up there with one of the best Christmas stories ever told. A uh, little dated in parts, but I watch it almost every year. And uh, I, uh, It's a Wonderful Life makes me cry every time i watch it damn dude always the same scene every single time dude like every single time i mean when i was a kid i wasn't but like as an adult like watching it i'm just tearing up every single fucking time it's uh yeah you should watch it if you've never seen it you help people's lives even though you're miserable (laughs) 
Well, it's again, it's this idea of wealth. And I think that's a theme in this too, right? When we talk about the class elements with the nephew in this story, A Christmas Carol, right? So they automatically set up the rich versus poor kind of class elements. Scrooge is a rich, wealthy kind of man. Uh, his nephew is rather poor. Um, and his well, nephew's his is his nephew also poor? I know it's like Bob Cratchit and his, his nephew's n- his nephew poor. Yeah, his nephew's not as poor as Cratchit, but he's poorer than um, Scrooge. Scrooge yeah. And Scrooge is, you know, disgusted by him at the beginning of the book, being like, "Well, you're wasting your time. You know, you're like, what are you doing? Being a cheerful little? You have nothing to be cheerful for. Like, you don't have enough money. You don't, you know, what are you happy for? Why ever did you get married?" Is what Scrooge asks him. Because I fell in love, is what his nephew says to him, right? Talk about a great fucking line, dude. I mean, and this is like with the It's a Wonderful Life thing, too, man. Like, the It's a Wonderful Life is the same themes. Like, these kind of, like, you're wealthy. Like, wealth is not money, necessarily. I know, okay, yes, it is, right? Sure. But, like, that's what these stories, and I think the reason that these stories are so beloved is because it talks about wealth other than money right like the family love um community like all the things that we human beings need and care deeply about um connection with people like all of that it it kind of and there's been this thing i don't know if it started in the 80s or what it was probably always there but there's been this thing most of my lifetime where like oh christmas sucks like it's like this kind of uh, fuck Christmas, you know, like fuck everything yeah. to that stupid fucking attitude that I'm just so sick of now that I'm like older. <clears throat> Where it's like, fuck Christmas, it's just a bunch of work and it's a bunch of like, uh, you know, tasks you have to perform and you have to pretend to be happy and blah, blah. And I'm just like, yeah, dude, you're, it's always, it's like that Charlie Brown, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas. It's like, it's like, you're missing the whole fucking point, Charlie Brown. Like, you're missing the whole point of Christmas. Can someone tell me what Christmas is all about? Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Shout out. So I am super nostalgic for Christmas, if listeners haven't known already. I'm super nostalgic for it, uh, even as an adult. I love the Christmas music. I like Christmas movies. I love classic Christmas stories like this. Yeah, I'm nostalgic for it, but definitely not as much as you are. I'm nostalgic for the time of year, for all the lights, you know, for the general sort of vibe <laughs> you know for lack of a better word i think you're that's a good point though the vibe of it right these these decorations the holly the lights the uh in dickens yeah in dickens time it was straight up candles but you know bulbs like the lights that we put on trees now like the colors the light displays um the the, the idea of giving right like that's why there's specifically that scene where they're asking him to give to like a poor charity or something a charity and he's refusing yeah. like it's that's the time of year right so we'll give back like we thanksgiving is part of this maybe a little bit but not as big as christmas right with this kind of you know people disregard this but this is baked into the cake it's like redemption time it's like time to forgive time to be grateful thankful like you're alive another year kind of thing and uh look at what you have you know take take stock of what you have all that kind of thing same thing with that. That's why I mean, like, it's a wonderful life story. Kind of follows the Dickens story, right? It really follows yeah. a Christmas Carol arch. Okay, here's an angel instead of a ghost that he meets up with, and the angel helps him understand that actually he isn't a miserable man, and like he actually did a lot of good for this community. And in fact, if he wasn't there, 
the community would be destroyed. I guess this gets to masculinity too. I mean, it's like this kind of what men feel like they need or something out of their life or what they feel gives them some type of meaning. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but just popped into my head. Oh, man. I don't know where you're going with that either. Well, just because it's like, it's a very specific. Like a providing kind of need. Providing need, but also the need to be not noticed in the same way that everybody needs to be noticed, but just like appreciated. And I think, I don't know. I think of all those scenes, this is going to sound dumb as shit, but um, even a couple years ago, man, uh, I remember watching Fox fucking, you know, Sunday football. They had the Fox team on. And it was the year Jimmy Johnson got into the Hall of Fame. And I'm not going to go into Jimmy Johnson, famous football coach, okay? He, he's on Fox now as an analyst. He does the Sunday shows and stuff for the football season and all that. Anyway, they surprised him on air by telling him he got into the Hall of Fame, right? Like that year for the class of 2020. This was a couple years ago. And like they came out on air to surprise him and he just broke down into tears. Like he just broke down into tears on air and was just so grateful and thankful and like could barely say that he was so grateful that like he worked with all these great people, all these great players. He had this opportunity and he said, it's just so great to, to know that people actually give a shit <laughs> like kind of thing where like I put so much into this and I just my entire life was dedicated to this and to just know that at the end of it now, like, you know, he's in his 70s, 80s now. Um that like it just it mattered just a little bit just a little bit even if it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things that much right just enough like it mattered just a little bit type thing and there is that level of it i think to scrooge the character to right it's a wonderful life story to a lot of christmas redemption things so i don't know i've just been thinking about it i guess it's like a totally yeah i'm just so much less familiar with like christmas stories generally well that's that's why i wanted to, i'm interested to talk to you about this too dude i mean uh, sophie grew up in a in a i guess you liberal jewish like yeah. household so it's like uh, we they weren't reform going, reform, reform but it, you know you weren't going to temple every week but you were like yeah, reform yeah you <laughs> you celebrated the holidays you didn't yeah. uh yeah we celebrated a couple of holidays yeah <laughs> but like christmas wasn't a part of it so there is christmas that kind of not. There is that kind of, not gap, but just like, yeah, like there's the, yeah, I have I the mean, nostalgia. Well, it just isn't like yeah. something, I mean, don't get me wrong, like my parents watch Christmas movies and my dad listens to Christmas music, but, you know, and I watched all the Christmas movies too, well, obviously not all of them, but like all those claymation movies and all of the, you know, all the kiddie stuff. I mean, it's not like there were like a ton of and Hanukkah movies. Yeah, that's what Adam Sandler tried to uh, make all those <coughs> Hanukkah things. You didn't like it, Crazy Nights? No, I didn't oh, watch dude. it. I didn't care. Oh, dude, it's pretty good, dude. You should. Uh, the music's pretty funny. Like it's funny, okay. and that's the same thing. It's a redemption arc. It's this miserable man, Adam Sandler. It's the yeah. fuck. It's a Christmas Carol, but it's for Hanukkah. So it's this you know man who's miserable and then hanukkah comes around and he has to realize that actually he has a lot of stuff in his life that's worth caring about worth putting the effort in maybe he should change some of his habits because it's making people around him miserable like 
I don't know. Like there, there's something to that story. I mean, it's an archetype, right? We've, You're saying the holidays yeah. exist to make us forget that we're sad. Not necessarily forget that we're sad, but I am getting at this idea of tradition, this idea of, of things that can only be achieved through hundreds, thousands of years of tradition kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which is why it feels magical and or spiritual, particularly if you're younger, right? If you're an adult, you're not feeling that kind of, oh, it's magic season. But like when you're, well, you know. I think you can, but like it's different. Again, I mean, it goes into like the nostalgia of it, right? Like some of it's just sort of feeling what you used to feel. Yeah. And, you know, people are always, I'm not, I'm not even saying there's like, uh, but yeah, I think it's just, there's, that is so important because it's not even just about the christmas part of it it's like you know snow days snow days yeah the lights like you said the lights the lore around it santa claus gifts you're just getting things right Dude, that that when i learned that people believed in santa claus at any point in their life life like i was shocked really i had a similar feeling about that to like when I discovered like I had friends who used to believe in God, I was like, no way. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. Shit. <laughs> that seems wild to me. And I get that it's religious. Like it, it all stems from the religious history of it, but it's, you know, in America and most of the Western world, everyone, like, Oh, it's commercialized. It's like, yeah, it's commercialized, but it's also because like, if you don't have something that you do treat seriously, like a tradition, like Christmas, like, what do you have right like what do you have kind of like it's this it's a human need like we need to treat some things as sacred this is what we used to do with religion we still do it with religion in a lot of the world but you know in the western world we're much more atheist. well it's just it's it's joyful jo- well yeah. the, and you get the joy from the tradition right like from the celebrating and a sense of meaning right oh you, you make know. the fruit cake every year or, or whatever it is you bake the cookies yeah, every i didn't year. realize that like fruit cake was like a very english i don't really like fruit cake but uh I don't really actually know what Christmas food is, with the exception of (sighs) a few things. We're about to have a Charlie Brown Christmas scenario here where I explain to Sophie what Christmas is all about. I just, I like, I know that there's ham. The Christmas ham or goose, because this is British, right? But Um, I see very little distinction between Christmas dinner and Thanksgiving dinner. They all, they sort of like blur together in my mind. Yeah, they're similar very similar and i think they serve similar purposes but christmas is just much more ingrained because thanksgiving is only an american holiday kind of thing and then like so like what purpose does green bean casserole serve well it doesn't like serve well i mean you could say tradition i would say speaking of which like i made it this year for thanksgiving purpose for cream of mushroom soup and that's a later, that's a dish that was, you know, established yeah. later, uh, like 40s, 50s era. Oh, yeah. Um, that's why but a lot of still, make it. Right. Why do we make it every year? Well, because it's not Thanksgiving or Christmas without the green bean casserole, right? Like, would we lose anything? Probably not. But it's just that, that, that specialness. It's that little bit of sacred, that in everyday life kind of thing. And I think this is what poetry gets at. And I think this is what a lot of art literature tries to get at is that little tiny bit of sacred, that little treasured break that you have in your day where you have like your cigarette and coffee or whatever every day at 10 o'clock or something during your work day, you know, like that's almost a religious ritual. Like that is a ritual that like if you didn't do it, everything would seem strange, right? A little off. (coughs) 
At least that's my theory on it. Fucking bad. Well, that's my theory on it, and it's a little different with coffee and cigarettes because then you're addicted to it. It's not like green bean casserole tradition at like Thanksgiving or Christmas. God, if you have a green bean casserole problem, I'm really sorry for you. Well, food addiction's a very real thing, so some people might just be, you know junkies for that green bean casserole dude those french cut green beans i mean i kind of am it's like one of the things i actually do really like i'm oh, about yeah. it it's I'm like pretty... always hits the mark dude I'm, I'm a green bean casserole fan uh yeah so where do we get at i don't even remember where the fuck we left off i mean the preface you know the preface <laughs> Uh, the preface was a little playful. And then, like, one of the things I noticed about Dickens reading through this right away, the humor. Like, it was jokes. Jokes, I feel like jokes, that jokes. stood out to you more than it stood out to me. So, like, Marley was dead to begin with. The yeah. very first line of the story, right? There is no doubt whatever about that is the next line. And then the next paragraph, right, when he's, after he's explaining what dead is a doornail, what he means by that. Mind, I don't mean to say that I know of my own knowledge what there is particularly dead about a doornail. I might have been inclined myself oh, yeah. to regard a coffin nail as the deadest piece of ironmongery in the trade, but the wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile, and my unhallowed hand shall not disturb it or the country's done for. You will therefore permit me to repeat emphatically that Marley was as dead as a doornail. (laughs) Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did. So I just think there's this, like this, you said playful already, like there is this kind of whimsy or playful aspect. It's kind of in, I haven't read all Dickens stuff. I assume it's kind of in all of his stuff. There's like a type of humor that a lot of these guys, I think really kind of get out of Shakespeare. They all love Shakespeare. Uh, that just oh, yeah. Works. I mean, he references Hamlet in the first, what, like the first page, like really early on. Yeah. Uh, references to other, and that's more literary stuff, right? Making references to works and all that kind of stuff. But I, I liked the humor in it. And like Sophie said, it gives it a kind of level of whimsy, whimsical kind of, you know, it's a fictional story. Sure. Christmas itself is, we could argue, is a fiction, a myth, right? These things, uh, uh, but there's just something about it. Time to pretend? I don't know. I always think of that Muppets Christmas Carol song, dude, the opening fucking song in Muppets Christmas Carol. Gonzo comes on, he says the line, right? Marley was dead to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. he says the line, and then the music kicks up, right? He's with Rizzo the Rat, and then they have, you know, Michael Caine walking through the streets of London, and they're all singing that song, right? Scrooge, one of the better songs in that version. Uh, it just like talks about how Scrooge is miserable, blah blah. Interrupted with narration directly from the book, uh, with Gonzo doing in like his weird voice and shit in the Muppets. But like there's other versions of this, like with the music. Um, I will say the Muppets music is some of the best music I've seen in a few of these versions. But I'll let listeners know once I go through a bunch of these movie adaptations and see for myself address the scores and all that yeah but we learn that if you die and you're a bad bad boy Uh, you carry you you carry a big big chain (laughs) these chains i forged in life yeah 
And then that, that's a great fucking song in the Muppets version too. When they have the uh, the um, the Marley song, it's one of the most famous. Uh, where Marley and Marley, because they have the two um, uh, peanut gallery guys that oh, always yeah. like do it together, so they make Marley two. Uh, they make like two characters in the Muppet version, but that's a great little song. We're Marley and Marley. You're doomed, Scrooge. Doomed for all time. Oh, yeah. So did it, I mean, how did you feel about it by compared to, you know, what you were familiar with before? I mean, are there particular moments that surprised you in the book? Because, I mean, nothing really surprised me. I found it to be largely an easy... Like I said, like you know, it's a pleasant read, um, but yeah, you're not. There's nothing that like stood out as like, oh, that was different. No, uh, I know because, like you said, I'd known the story so well because I'd just been blasted into my face since I was a kid growing up in America. Since you know, I was born in the late '80s and all that shit, and it's just been part of American lore. But uh, no, I did recognize a lot of lines. Uh, because a lot of these adaptations, even the children's ones, use exact lines from the book. The ending is a little changed up some sometimes in some of these versions. This one is a little more, not graphic, but like you see the dead body and the stuff of Scrooge in the book that you don't see in a lot of the adaptations. They yeah, which you right only to, um, kind of, you know. Yeah, because he doesn't recognize it either. It's just we know well, there's a body Well, it's covered on the bed. in a sheet. Yeah. Right, isn't it? It's yeah. like covered by a sheet, so we don't actually see it. We just know know he's dead there and that it's him. And like we know that it's him because we know the story. But if I was reading this for the first time to know the story, it's a I little think it's bit of heavily. Like a, I think it's heavily. It's implied, implied sure, yeah. that it would maybe be surprising to like a much younger person, but um, yeah, I think it's too heavily implied to be much of a shock. <clears throat> I think it's only a surprise to Scrooge, and I think it's only supposed to be a surprise to Scrooge. But, yeah, I still liked it, because like I said, I was filled with nostalgia and joy almost every time I picked it up to read over the course. I read it in about two days. It's very short. And I liked it. And the exact lines, like this, when the nephew comes in, page four, we have the nephew showing up already in Scrooge's office. Everybody knows this, because it's a famous scene in all the adaptations. Uh, Christmas a humbug, Uncle, said Scrooge's nephew. You don't mean that, I'm sure. I do, said Scrooge. Merry Christmas? What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough. There we go with the class thing, right? Come then, returned the nephew gaily. What right, what right have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You're rich enough. <laughs> Scrooge, having no better answer ready on the spur of the moment, said, Bah! Again, and followed up with humbug. Uh, this... You know, Scrooge, it's this kind of like, yeah, like, what is the point of Christmas? This is like a kind of archetype of Christmas story. It's in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. It's in It's a Wonderful Life. It's in A Christmas Carol. It's in kind of the overall arc, like, story of Jesus being born and all that kind of shit, too. I don't want to get into the Christian lore so much, but, um, yeah. Every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart, he should. Stake of Holly. That's a little bit more uh, graphic than a lot of the movie adaptations put it in there. Stake of Holly through his heart. 
And the fact that they use Scrooge's lines back at him, the ghosts say that his own words back to him often oh, yeah. when he's doing his redemption arc thing. And it is this kind of like facing yourself aspect to it. This is the same thing in It's a Wonderful Life. This is the same thing in It's a Charlie Brown Christmas, right? All these different famous Christmas, even how the Grinch stole Christmas. Let's listen. How the Grinch, what is that? That's a Christmas carol. It's the same fucking yeah. thing, right? Like it's this archetype around this very Christian tradition kind of thing. And it's become less Christian again over the last hundred years or so, but it's like that's where it stems from. These kind of traditions that are like traditions that we don't even know where they come from, or a lot of people don't even realize the like longer tradition. Uh, those are the best kind, right? The ones that are just like expected. They've become so ingrained into the culture that they're just like a part of it every year. But yeah, I don't know. The class elements, whatever, we know those. Um, a lot of lines I knew. Uh, do you want to talk reputation? We uh, mentioned I wanted to say already. the images of the ghosts. But what did you think about that? Like how they uh, were described? A lot of times I was projecting um, images that I'd seen. So I was projecting like Muppet interpretations <laughs> of the ghosts, dude. Uh, with the uh, Christmas present ghosts and all that. Uh, the Christmas past uh, was a little weird description. It is a weird description. That and one. That's, that's the weirdest I ghost in a lot of the adaptations, too. Yeah. Visual. It's the hat thing. Yeah. It's the cap. And they um, eliminate the cap in the. Like, again, I guess I keep going back to the Muppet version because that's the one I watch. They don't year, eliminate it in the. I guess it's like the 80s version. Um, oh, did you watch that? I watched some of it. I what, got bored uh, and I turned it off. It was in the 80s, you said? Yeah. Made for TV or? I don't know. Uh, it was just like available on Prime or something. Right. I put it on. It was okay. Like the beginning was okay and I quickly got pretty bored. I mean, I had also just read it and I was like, yeah, I know right. Like and it was so not different. <laughs> you know, it, even down to sort you of can the do it word for word. of the ghosts, yeah. it was like it tried really hard to stay. I think to the to the book, um, and as I discussed on our Dracula episode, that could be good or bad. That's like hanging out of the room. Um, that's Is that that's the ghost future? of past. past. That's uh, yeah, past? future, future, future. You're right. Yeah, it's future. The future is the one that doesn't speak well, and just present? like pokes. It's it's the future. Yeah. You're right. Present is the big jolly guy past is like the little like hat and the like weird looking baby face um ghost and then like yeah the future is like the undertaker like a uh, grim reaper yeah. style ghost that doesn't speak and just points with like clawed hands like dead hands the thing that gets me is that he turns into like such a little boy when he is taken to the past and then when he comes out of it at the very end so like uh, you know in christmas past when he's taken to see like all these visions of like his former life yeah you know he's like oh there's that person oh is this where i apprenticed you know and he's like all excited and there's that lost love it's a very small scene in the novel it's a very mm -hmm. small scene in a lot of the movies but the fact that they show a scrooge how like he loved a woman and it never worked out right she left him because because he became obsessed with money. Yeah, he loved money more than anything else type thing. and well, So it adds a little bit of this layer. And because she it. was poor. Yeah. 
And it goes back to all that shit that he said to his nephew. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's basically the same thing that his um, would have been, his would-be wife had said to him, would you even marry a dowerless or a dowd dow dower is that a dower a dowager? Well, like a dowry is what you would pay yeah, dowry. to marry a woman um, back in the day. A lot of yeah. cultures still do this. Anybody watches Ninety Day Fiance, you see all like the immigrants from Africa and shit. They're like, uh, uh, if you want to marry, so you have to like pay them a dowry and shit, like buy a cow for their family. <laughs> At least that's what Ninety Damn. Day Fiance depicts. So it's like, yeah, like old world shit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but there's this whole, like, you know, it's just like a total 180. He's a new man now, you know? Yeah. He goes from being, like, a grump to, okay, now he's kind of scared by these ghosts. Oh, well, now he's, like, super nostalgic, and he's remembering his past life. Um, but do you think that's unearned, like, his redemption arc? No, I don't think it's unearned. I just think it's, yeah. like, uh, okay. Like, you know, I get what it is. You're tired of the story, the redemption story for around Christmas. It's just, I feel like I've gotten all of it that I can get, you know, at this level without much more depth. Like, it's just like, and this is the story of why you should be not a shitty person. Well, there is this level in our culture right now, I think, of they doesn't like redemption that everybody's the worst things, the worst mistakes you've made define you. And they are not, you're not allowed to be redeemed. It's not thing. that it's redemption. It's that he's like a different guy. Changed, you know? yeah. Character but change. It, it's not, it's like massive. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean but can... I think that also adds to the humor of it, right? Like that's sort of one of the funny aspects. And that's one of the things that makes it good for kids. Is that he is all like giggly and like all of a sudden he just like can't hold back laughing and he's just thrilled at everything. And I think he's thrilled to be alive. They put it because after yeah. that, when he sees, well, because he just saw death, himself dead. Yeah. Like he just saw yeah. his own dead body. And this gets to the "It's a Wonderful Life" thing too, right? Where it's like he saw that he died and nobody cared. He didn't matter at all. In fact, people were happy that he died because he was such a miserable person. Everybody, you know, miserable people spread misery, right? Miserable people spread misery for others. They don't like happy people and stuff. And that's basically what Scrooge is, right? He's a miserable person and he spreads misery. He hates people saying Merry Christmas to him on the street. Uh, People smiling and singing Christmas carols on the street, right? I guess that doesn't really happen that much anymore, like Christmas caroling, but uh, I like Carolyn. But he I also like is like content carols. being miserable for the first well, you know, for our first meeting of Scrooge. Like he's right. miserable, but he's like content. He's like, I eat cool. But he like yeah, I guess it shows that he isn't content though, right? Like that like Yeah, I mean I guess he just kind of Actually when he thinks about it and like the woman that he loved that he lost, his Oh family, yeah, he's super sad his, when he sees it, when he's yeah. confronted with it. But as long as he doesn't have to look at it, I don't yeah. know. Which is most people, that's human, yeah. But like the redemption story, I like that. Uh reputation. You wanna talk reputation? Yeah, tell me about it. 
Well, I just, I've said it before in the beginning of this when we started. Uh, I mean, this is the most famous Christmas story apart from the literal Jesus, you know, birth of Jesus story that Christmas is based around since, the, since Christians took over the world. Uh, <laughs> all right, so like 2,000 years ago. Uh, but yeah, I'd say this reputation, it is so huge. And I mean, I would say it's deserved. I mean, what, is there a better Christmas story than this one? You gotta tell me, man. I mean, well, I supposedly no. it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life is very good, but like I said, it's almost the same thing. Yeah. This kind of redemption around Christmas time, and a lot of Christmas stories are this. But yeah, I would say it's a wonderful life is up there, but it's much newer. It's about not even a hundred years old. This one's almost two hundred years old. Uh, yeah, it is the most famous. I mean, I, I never reading it before and reading it now. I'm like, okay, it makes sense that this is. Mo- it's creative, dude. Like it's. Yeah, I mean, it's fun, right? Especially for somebody who is, like, famous for giving live readings all the time. Right? Like, I'm sure it was fun, you know? Yeah, there's a section in the back of the book here where it talks about Dickens giving readings of this throughout his career. Uh, And he was supposedly known, it says in these little essays in the back here, uh, listeners can look into it if they want, that he was known, Dickens, as being a very, you know, entertaining reader of his stuff. He had a reputation for just, you know, going all out, giving a show when he gave a reading about his book, his books, especially this one around Christmas time, because it got so big that, you know, the reputation happened almost immediately and he was already kind of a literary star. Uh, the reputation got put underneath the book right away. And every year he was basically being asked, you know, to go read it in New York or London or, you know, some big city and, and yeah. give a little reception for Christmas and like a reading. And it's a short book, so you could read the whole thing in a couple hours if somebody were to read sections of it or the whole thing even at like a show. Uh, yeah. And I always, I mean, I say that all the time. Do we talk about in this podcast? The reason most readings suck is because most of the time the person reading is a boring as fuck and is yeah. terrified. And like, it's because they're very, just reading. Yeah. And very fearfully reads their own words to the crowd and stuff like that, like is embarrassed by it. And, and clearly Dickens had a vote, like, didn't give a fuck about that. Like, <laughs> and just like would read it with some entertainment, some zest, some pizzazz behind it, you know? throw a little emphasis into the exclamation points if they're on the page Ooh, the cover yeah the cover is like it's very british uh <laughs> that tiny tim dude so, <laughs> so if yeah, you show dude. like a close-up of it tiny tim looks like a girl god bless us everyone this little dress those little mary janes and they do make Tiny Tim this kind of like bleeding heart, right? When they, like, he's introduced and like Tiny Tim, the oh, thing we Tiny Tim, well, like we learn that he's so pure of heart, like right away, because he's, he's so little. Well, that and he's disabled, right? He has that like bad leg. He's probably gonna die, because I guess it would be polio or something at the time, like some type of disease know. that he was clearly had or deformity, that uh, you know made him sick and feeble and a little tiny kid you know too small for his age he limped with a crutch and the first thing that like we learn about him is that his father bob cratchit almost in tears is telling his wife uh when we were in church he said he hoped that people saw him right so that they would be reminded on this day 
of who made you know yeah. lame beggars walk and blind men see is the line but uh and it's just this like noble kind of pure of heart thing like who is that given that rough of a hand right like you have this terrible you're handicapped you're poor as shit you really have everything against you like a tiny tim character and yet you're so pure of heart like you still are seeing the bright side of things you think that you can still bring joy most people can't do that right most people are not even capable yeah. of holding those thoughts in their head together it's usually a lot of pity self-pity and tiny tim is this pure of heart guy that never pities himself that scrooge pities him more than anybody else right like as he sees, you know, this poor sick kid who Scrooge's life directly involves because his father works for him, right? Like he pays for the kid. The kid can't yep. afford medical care. He can't afford the proper food and, and like the proper leg braces and shit because Scrooge fucks his father with yeah. how little he pays him. And so you're seeing these things that Scrooge directly impacts, right? So he's a finance guy in London. He directly impacts a lot of finance businesses. And we learn in the last section with that ghost, they all hate him, right? He's a miserable oh, yeah. person. They hate him. We learn his nephew and stuff and Bob Cratchit, like all these people he directly affects right away. And then in the you know past, we see like all the people that he affected throughout his life. like all And the, the people that, that he loved too. That he and loved like and that loved him. Like his sister was the thing I think that maybe stood out to me. Yeah. The most that maybe I didn't like was not something that I remembered from any of the because you know I haven't like even I haven't watched any single version of A Christmas Carol in a very very long time. Um, this is my first time reading it, uh, and when we get the scene with his sister, who we know is now dead, and also the mother of the nephew, we see him being shitty to. Um, in the very beginning is like I guess his little sister yeah who mm. and he's like I, he was like sent to boarding school or some shit and like he I guess had you know a sense of a stronger sense of kinship with his sister and they imply that she died of some sickness or something, yeah. which is very I, common, right? But I uh, think there is this, like, urge in me to, like, have more, like, oh, I want more character. And, like, that's not really what the story is about. Well, the sister especially is only, like, a paragraph or two. And it just kind of explains where the nephew comes in to, like, mm -hmm. his only family left at this point is the nephew, his sister's son. Yeah, well, and his and whole he rejects Right, and he rejects that too right even though the nephew is so welcoming and invites him to christmas dinner and tells him to come over and spend time with his wife and their friends and family and he refuses right uh all that kind of shit yeah so you see that we see the cratchits then that one is in christmas present yeah. well and like the first instance of the supernatural is on page 10 where yeah. we see Marley's face in the door knocker. Yeah. We introduce Scrooge. He has the interaction with his nephew. He has the interaction with that guy asking for Christmas donations for, you know, like a Red Cross type foundation to help the poor. And Scrooge blows them all off and he goes to his house. And the first thing he sees is the door knocker turns into Marley's face and he kind of freaks out for a minute. Yeah. And then, you know, just like, oh, humbug, you know, fuck this. It's not real kind of thing. But it's like this first little creeping instance of a ghost there on that page 10. <clears throat> Scrooge, having his key in the lock of the door, saw in the knocker, without its undergoing any intermediate process of change, not a knocker, but Marley's face. 
Marley's face, it was not impenetrable shadow as the other objects in the yard were, but had a dismal light about it, like a bad lobster in a dark cellar. Bad lobster in a dark cellar. Yeah. And then that's, and then, you know, then Marley appears to him later on. I mean, like the jokes, like the jokes, I think, keep coming with like, when he first sees Marley and the ghost, he's like seeing him and he's like see-through, right? in his like chambers. And there's this thing at the bottom of page 13. It's actually its own little uh, offset paragraph, a single sentence. It says, bottom of page 13, Scrooge had often heard it said that Marley had no bowels, but he had never believed it until now. Like this kind yeah. of jokes that just keep coming as he's yeah. getting haunted, like Dickens's style. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. Again, I think there was a sense of a little bit of boredom for me just because you're reading to an ending that you know. And there's not, like, again, there's not a whole lot in here to forget either. Um, yeah, because it's short, it's concise, very well done story. Because let's say he added 50 pages to this and made it a shorter novel, like, you know, 150 page, you know, kind of the bare minimum length for a novel. Uh, you know, would it have been really much better, right? Would it have really improved anything? Yeah. Uh, probably not. So, I mean, like, this kind of shorter novella thing really worked. <clears throat> because I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on plot points because they're... I mean, everybody knows this fucking story, right? But I did... I kept obsessing over this, and I've already mentioned it a few... What is it about Christmas? What is it about Christmas that everybody's... They call it the spirit of Christmas, for lack of a better term, right? We call it the spirit of Christmas or something. Or uh... Yeah, what the fuck is it? <laughs> I mean, I, I think know. it's all of it, you know? I mean, at least for us. Like, I, as somebody who had nothing about, like, the tradition, it's just, like, a sense of coziness. I mean, it's, like, all of the things that come with... Obviously, we talked about the lights. That's a big part of it for me. Um, sense of but, celebration. Yeah, like the sense of like, yeah, you're all stuck inside. Like you're cozy. You're fucking drinking cocoa. You know, it's like there's a general warmth about it, in spite of all of the cold. And that's why I was going on on these kind of like the idea of tradition, like this idea of like the things that we expect around the time, like these things of tradition or rituals. We'd kind of dismiss them as unimportant now but there's something about these rituals well, it's that... also like it's so much darker right shit's dead no one's outside it's dark it's quiet like we have to make up for that somehow and in london where this takes place there would probably be snow on the ground everywhere yeah so it's all that fires yeah i mean there's just i think it's the general sense of community when you push everyone inside right that and like but like the sense of generosity right the sense yeah, of giving also that. the sense of again yeah, that's something stock. that's there but again not as present for me in my upbringing yeah yeah there was no magic man that brought presents down a chimney yeah, there, there was, was no. just like you must suffer remember the suffering <laughs> remember yeah. well, the and suffering like my parents were like faith. you know hide some presents around the living room and that was fun yeah yeah but like I knew it was my parents. It wasn't like magical. It wasn't. Right. It was exciting. Like I mean, I think that was probably the excitement. Yeah, the nostalgia like, that's generated from that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is actually 
a lot of it. Like, I think so much of it is just the excitement that we feel as children knowing that we're going to get presents. And that just continues. But there's tradition in that, too, right? Like, I remember you telling me about, sure. yeah, like, do you read the story of the oil lamp, right? Like, you do that every year? Fuck no. No? Like, not, like, no. sit around the table or whatever and uh, read the passage of the seven days or the, uh, the eight days, right, with the... The oil burned for eight days. Nope. We know the story. We acknowledge the story. We have moved on. <laughs> but, like, there's, like, that sense of, like, you know, the night before Christmas, the famous poem, right? Like, it's... You'd, none of that with... Uh, none of that. No. Sometimes we would watch uh, Fiddler. <laughs> but we but, would also watch that around Passover, too, so it wasn't, like, specific to this holiday, you know? Uh that and um yeah and i guess like the traditions too like i sophie always Sophie and i've been friends for a while you always said like okay like chinese food and going to a movie right is like kind of like a jewish tradition around christmas because everything's fucking closed <laughs> except the chinese restaurants and like a movie theater because they're like mm-hmm. type thing so it became a tradition for a lot of families in america yeah. during that holiday uh but even that. But that's not like a nostalgic. Have, yeah, yeah not that's like nostalgic not like. Thing. That's it could like, be. Oh, it could be nostalgic. Was, I mean, I'm sure it is for plenty of people. Like that's how we celebrate Christmas. My family whatever, got right? Chinese food a lot, so there's well, no mine too. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. there's no specific like oh yeah, all those times dude. we got Chinese on the holiday. Oh dude, I mean Americans love Chinese food, dude. Yeah. yeah. At least the Americanized version. Yeah, I eat it all the time, dude. I love it. Plus, I live in the place where literally you get the best Thai food in America in this fucking city I live in, so. Yeah. I'd eat the shit out of some Chinese food right now. Yeah. I ate fried chicken right before this, too. Nice. It's fucked up. It's like, I'm, I'm going to do good today. I'm going to, like, I'm going to eat some vegetables. I went and got Bill a sandwich. Fucking, I went and got my husband a sandwich. I'm just going to keep saying his fucking name, whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... I was like looking for something for myself and I walked past all this fried chicken. I was like, well, it's done for me now. You can count as a vegetable sometimes, dude. Oh, dude, it was, (laughs) it was so greasy. It was wet. Nice. (laughs) Was it Rofo chicken or was it? No, no, no. It was uh, Eddie's. Okay. Yeah. Both are uh, mid-Atlantic lore things. So you only know about those stores if you're like in the (laughs) mid-Atlantic area there. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Still cool. Eddie's uh, is just Baltimore, probably. Yeah, it's literally just Baltimore. There's only like two locations, like a yeah. small. But then uh, Rofo, I think. Mm, I think that, it's, no, that's probably more. It's more, more Maryland, Maryland, but they've they've expanded into yeah, like Carolina and. Um, really. And and Pennsylvania and places, I think. Yeah. I'm sure Pennsylvania. But that's only been like the last like ten, twenty years. I just so. assumed mid-Atlantic and maybe north. Yeah, I don't know. I was mostly like a Baltimore or like Maryland-based yeah. company, and now it's been like branching so out. Yeah, so good. I don't care what anyone says; it's still better than Sheets. Royal Farms, yeah. yeah. Sheets is like the bastardized version, you know? yeah. And then the I remember when I was in Philly, it was Wawa. Everyone Wawa. was about Wawa. Wawa, and we Wawa had come to, by the time we were kids. Like Wawa was around in Maryland and stuff. Yeah, but it wasn't like. 
but it, it is still regional. For some reason, there's yeah. some in Florida, but there really aren't many. Like living out where I live, like there are no Wawa's on the highways. There's none around here. You switch to like, <clears throat> you know, Bucky's. When I was in the South, Bucky's is pretty good. Uh, Bucky's. But those that don't know, Royal Farms is like that. Yeah. Kind of thing. Not as big as Bucky's or anything, but it's more like a Wawa. Like, I mean, it's basically a, a nicer 7 <laughs> Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, Which I guess there are people Wawa, who probably yeah. also don't know what 7 Eleven is, but I feel like you're more likely. 7 Eleven's more, na- more inter- like national yeah. and probably international too, but yeah. Because, like, we have 7 Elevens here, although we didn't have any in the South, like where I lived yeah. in, the, in the South there. But we have Yeah, I don't here. think. I don't think remember seeing Seven Elevens in Kentucky. Yeah, like they're very region. It's weird. I don't know how they do that, but whatever. They got like their own shit. They just all have Speedway. Speedway. But I was, yeah, and I was thinking about this kind of like, what is it about Christmas? And I was thinking, yeah, we said food. I said, but I'm nostalgic, and I really enjoy Christmas packaging on products oh yeah i really enjoy christmas advertising coca-cola is probably the king that's what i mean it's all all that that, shit it's just all of that shit it's the most wonderful like i mean even as like a little jewish girl i remember i had like a madeline doll and i had like the christmas version the madeline christmas was that one of your favorites i mean i liked i mean i i don't know i had the books but did you, the movie, like the TV version, it's like 25-minute Madeline Christmas. Oh, I don't remember. That was one of I my remember favorites like, growing up. Because yeah. I remember like Madeline's Rescue, and I like remember the original. In fact, I think I still have Madeline's Rescue. Madeline's Christmas was one of my favorites. I'd watch it with my sister. But yeah, I had the Christmas doll. My <clears> sister <throat> had the original doll. We're going home for the holidays. <laughs> like that's the song from yeah. like the Madeline because I feel like I do kids, remember that. Yeah, the boarding school kids. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. And then that. they have like the magic woman that brings like the bread over. Oh yeah. Yeah, and she's like, yeah. Oh yeah. And they all get sick for the holidays. Everybody likes that movie. I like that movie. There's some good songs. Uh, but yeah, there's just something about it. Like these, these, I'm like the packaging, the advertisements, the Coca-Cola Santa Claus, it's the Coca-Cola just, it's bear. It's the whole like, atmosphere of it. It's like, cause. But like, what is that? You know, like I'm trying to, I mean, I know that we're going to come up with an answer on this fucking podcast, but I just mean like the question is keep green. begging the question. Yeah. Red and green. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, fucking it's the sounds it's the smells it's the flavors it's like all of these seasonal things that remind right? us of the spirit this this thing that we can't touch we can't even like so, we, sophie and i can't even say what it is like we don't know like yeah. we can't even fucking articulate it but it all these things add up to this little feeling inside of maybe just a tiny feeling of it maybe a large feeling for some but i don't know but there's just something about the way that we've had christmas kind of as a tradition for so many years that like it's been enveloped into every aspect of our culture that i enjoy as oh, yeah. i started listening to christmas my wife and i put our tree up we were like putting on christmas music i put on charlie brown christmas uh for some reason i and now because of charlie brown christmas i always associate this type of jazz with like this kind of like with christmas because I mean, the, yeah. like, the vince Giraldi trio music and it's i like, mean i even remember like you know like visiting 
like my grandma in New York, you know, and going to see the tree and like going ice skating and like all of that shit. I also especially like I can see like for my parents why they'd be really nostalgic about it, too, just because they grew up in New York. It's a big deal. Yeah, we do the community trees. We do the community light projects. You know, Sophie and I grew up in Baltimore. There's a fame. I mean, this is almost every city, but there's a yeah. famous street in Baltimore on 34th Street, like the movie Miracle on 34th yeah. Street, where they do. It's a, basically if you move into that neighborhood in Baltimore, you basically you're are signing. signing up. Yeah, you're signing a contract <laughs> where it's like you have to take Christmas decorations very seriously. Very seriously, and, and I mean, like you might break your yeah. neck seriously. Right. Like, and they string the lights from up. house to house across the street. So you're like, oh, yeah. it's like a group effort with like neighbors. You have to like yeah, combine. Yeah, you've probably seen this in your city or like, you know. Yeah, I think some... every city has, and it's usually 34th Street because of yeah. the movie and the, and the legend around it. So like they'll do something like that. And it's a big thing. I remember and as a like, kid yeah, it was driving awesome. through that. And they would hand yeah. out like hot cocoa and right. shit. Yeah, I don't know if they exactly. do all that anymore. They did back they in the did. 90s before, like, the scare of, like, you're going to be poisoned don't, by your Halloween yeah, candy. <laughs> like, all that kind of They're putting shit. razors in the candy. Yeah. They're putting, like, drugs in the candy. They're going to drug stuff. your kids. Yeah. But People it used to be, like, giving out pennies. Yeah. yeah, pennies or, like, grocery store bullshit. cookies. Like, whatever That was such bullshit. No, no one wanted your grocery store cookies. That was also bullshit. Well, I mean, for Christmas time. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, and that's, like, a big tradition. So, like... If if so if one year let's say they didn't do that on Thirty Fourth Street like there would be fucking upheaval like people would oh be pissed. and the alcohol like, dude it's a, like a constant yeah. excuse to be like drunk for just like twenty five days yeah and people would literally like I remember waiting in the car we would drive through that street and my parents taking me every year when I was little and we would go down there. And I would couldn't wait to see how bright that fucking oh, block, yeah. just that one block of Baltimore City, was so fucking That's bright. Small dude. and like, yeah, it's very small. It's one block, <laughs> like, yeah. But it's that thirty fourth Street block where you're just like lights strung across from the houses. You're like in a winter wonderland. You're underneath the lights. They're over top of you. There's these. There's the famous hubcap tree is the one big thing that somebody made a tree out of hubcaps in like the fifties and they've just been doing it ever since down in the, like the 34th street celebration, New York. Like Sophie said, the tree lighting is a big deal. It's almost up there with the new year's Eve thing where you all go see the tree get lit up this year, like kind of thing. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be like, go see it, get it, you know, get lit up. It could just be like, go see the fucking tree. You know how massive it is. How (laughs) go ice skating. Right. It takes up this huge space, this center central space in New York, like this, yeah and it's and honestly there is well, a and, you know and cities it's just like yeah lights everywhere especially right. if like your city does it well you know they put up lights downtown there's actually a story when i was driving through louisiana and i was actually driving through bumfuck louisiana into bumfuck texas because the 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 gps was taking us around houston to avoid traffic so i was driving at like 2 a.m uh and through like the dark rural part of texas east texas you know, uh, probably a little bit north of Houston. And it was like in the middle of nowhere in December, my wife and I were on this one highway, you know, two lane, you know, Texas road. uh, And out of nowhere, this house that took lighting very seriously, like a rural house had like this winter wonderland set up. Like it was just lights in the middle of this dark rural area. And they had it so that you could pull off and walk through it. It was like literally like they did it for the public to like walk through this light show. And my wife and I pulled over and there were a couple other cars like pulling over. It's like 2 a.m. Like there's like and there's nothing but these bright, beautiful lights in the middle of this black, you know, Texas night. And it was just 
you know, it was 2 a.m. We were just driving through and it was, we stopped. It made us stop and just look at these lights. Like, look at how great this is. Take pictures, you know, whatever it is. And now we all have phones. There was just something about it. Like, man, that person put in that effort and it looks good. Like, you know, I don't know. Something about it. Something that draws us to this. Maybe it is just very basic human psychology, like shiny things, you know, like, or. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all that shit that makes us happy and just like enough people say yes to it. It's like, yeah, everyone's going to like enough people have just like said, yes, we are doing this. And now it's like a group thing. Right. A collective. uh, That's a very good point. It gives you a sense of community. I mean, it's the same thing with like, yeah, we're all pushed inside. Like, yeah, you're you can't sit outside at Starbucks and like sit there and work. And that's something like I do. Right. Like Starbucks Christmas cups and fucking sit outside. Oh, yeah. And Starbucks fucking flavors, dude. Right. The flavors. Yeah. Putting peppermint and everything. It's great. I love it. Uh, But the collective. You're right. Like the collective. Yeah. I mean, like, that's what it is. You're pushed closer to other people. And this is why I got at the tradition too, because not just collective. So, okay, I could be in Baltimore City on 34th Street. I could be in rural bumfuck Texas driving on a, you know, a two-lane highway yeah. and see the same collective energy. People putting up, the, you know, it's everywhere. I could go to Europe. I could go to France. I could go to England. And they're doing the same collective energy around this time well like, yeah and there's a sense like, of this is for everyone right right and it's a like you put up lights thing. yeah because everyone likes it right yeah. i mean like i am so glad that my fucking neighbors put up lights like in our building we're sort of we make up like the sort of front three <laughs> uh apartments like on the first floor and like right in the middle of the building so like we're facing the street and my neighbors every year they put up christmas lights this time they put up lights where i would normally wrap mine if they didn't i'm kind of grateful that they did because i suck at it i have zero practice with this i'm very bad yeah but uh I don't know, dude. You're playing into stereotypes. I mean, dude, the Jew not knowing how to set up Christmas lights. I mean, dude, I, mean, I like, I don't, but it's also like, <laughs> I like, yeah, I, it's a joke, I get know? it, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I'm just like, yeah, this isn't something like I thought, like if there's a technique, I don't know it. It does take practice. It's like the way yeah. you do it. But like, yeah, I used to do it with my dad. It was always a very big thing. My dad worked a lot when I was a kid. And then like, well, we'd set time to set up the Christmas lights and I was the older son. So I could help him climb the ladder and things oh, like that. Shit. And I could Get help. Serious. Yeah. Like I could do that kind of stuff from a younger age. Cause I was like the older uh, son there helping him, you know, do the yard work and things like that. So when it came around Christmas time, you do like the light work and you have to put the lights up and it's a pain in the ass and you have to like, be careful how you put them away and like all that kind of shit. Yeah. But, but speak- speaking of all oh. this, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, you Page go. 33. Since we were talking about this nostalgia, we're talking, and this is when Scrooge is with the ghost of Christmas past and he's watching the people at Fezziwig's um, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas party that he has every year. So his and original. Fezziwig is where he apprenticed. Yeah. So like, Correct. This, yeah. 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 So like when he was a young guy, young clerk, he apprenticed there and it really made a huge impact on his life type thing. And, but, you know, he had forgotten about it. So anyway, they're saying this. And 
they're they're doing this whole scene where everybody's celebrating and getting ready for the party and everybody's broken in and they're dancing and singing and it's a great time and Scrooge and the ghost are watching I want to read this part here on page 33 it says during this during the whole of this time Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits his heart and soul were in the scene and with his former self he corroborated everything remembered everything enjoyed everything and underwent the strangest agitation it was not until now when the bright faces of his former self and Dick were turned from them, that he remembered the ghost and became, con and became conscious that it was looking full upon him, while the light upon his head burnt very clear. And the ghost says to him, A small matter, said the ghost, to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. And that's when I was just like, yeah, like, I think that if I could put my finger on something as a why Christmas, what is it about Christmas? I think that a small matter said the ghost to make these silly folks so full of gratitude like and i think that's it like it's it's not so much christmas itself it's that this little collective thing that brings everybody around to have drinks and dance and sing and play oh, music dude, yeah. i mean even that at the fills end. us up it fills us up it's that intangible thing we're all searching for that fucking man's search for meaning dude like this fucking like uh. co like yeah, well, there's this line at the end, even, right? Yeah. Um, after he comes out of it. And this is, like, at the very end, where he is, like... So, you know, he's gone through it all. He's seen his past. He's seen his present, where we know that, like, you know, people actually don't care for him very much, and including the Cratchits and including his nephew and his niece and their family. He comes out, and he's buying... He wants to buy the turkey for the prize winning turkey the biggest turkey yeah, the butcher has for the cratchits and he's talking to this boy you there good yeah. boy intelligent boy <laughs> remarkable boy yeah what page is this uh 81 81 okay and it's a really really short line but it made me think of this and he says what a delightful boy said scrooge it's a pleasure to talk to him yes my buck <laughs> then he says it, it's a pleasure to talk to him. Right? And they're just talking about buying right. a turkey. They're, I mean, like, you know, you if this were a different kind of book, I'd be like, oh, it's a pleasure to talk to him because he's, like, what? Ordering him around or he's telling him to go buy something and it's fun to buy things, you know? It's that, too. Maybe that's it a little also, bit of Christmas. It also, it yeah. feels good to give, but, like, yeah. you know, then you can get into that whole that whole clusterfuck of do you give because it helps other people or because it yeah. makes you feel good and the answer it's is true. both yeah exactly um, yeah it is it, maybe even if it's selfish it's a good thing right yeah it's like always for, both for everyone yeah um, it's true wherever you find love it feels like Christmas but yeah Christmas when he Carol. says it's a pleasure to talk to him and dude, I mean, I get a dude. It's a ple like the reason I, I like talking to you about books. Like I like talking to my friends. Like yeah, I like it's talking a, a to fucking strangers. People want community, right? I, like people crave. I mean, like that's why like we talk about loneliness as such like a bad thing, and we say that right, it kills yeah. people. Because it does. Because <laughs> it does spiritually yeah. though, right? Like spiritually. I mean, but like, also like literally, it kills people, yeah. right? Like. Um, I like talk. Like, I'm a talker anyway. People yeah, probably haven't picked that up. Know? But it's like. I like it. Like, I like meeting people. Like, but, I like to talk to them, and I like to ask. I like to know what they do. I'm like, well, what do you do? 
what's your life like? You know, oh, how long you've been doing that? Like kind of thing. Like, I want to know. I'm, oh, what's that like? Like, did you enjoy it? Like how, <laughs> like, like, I want to know. I'm just a curious Yeah, man. I person, mean, even if you're introverted. And I get so and... much meaning out of that. Like, I get so much meaning out of just talking to a stranger while I'm waiting in line at the DMV. Well, fucking everybody like, does, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, even if you're, like, somebody who is, like, very introverted like me and you're, like, get the fuck away from me. I don't want to talk to you. Like, I have headphones in. Like, back the fuck <laughs> up off me. Right. Um, yeah. Like, on the off chance that you do end up having, like, a conversation with somebody... I'm not saying that they're all conversations that I want to be having. You probably know firsthand. I've texted you many times that I've been in a Lyft <sighs> where the driver was just too chatty. Dude, I like talking to Lyft drivers. Yeah, I bet you yeah. do. Someone especially if they're immigrants. Yeah, especially if they're immigrants, dude. Like, I'm always like, how many languages do you speak? How oh, I always end here? up in the car with somebody who wants to talk like, about politics. Or they're yeah. like, I'm running. I'm thinking about running for office. I had uh, one of really? those guys. I've I was never, like, dude, nah. I've never had politics, although I have had like a few airport shuttles where the guy was playing like the like the right wing radio like like the right wing i was in like an airport shuttle around christmas time and the guy driving the shuttle like had like the right wing talk radio on like loud as shit in like the shuttle for the airport from the parking lot i remember like sitting there and be like oh man like (laughs) this guy doesn't give a fuck just playing this like rush limbaugh like (laughs) into like the fucking uh the shuttle Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, like that. Yeah. When I was sitting there going, like, "Oh shit, this guy." The last guy I talked to, had there have been a couple guys that I really enjoyed. One who was just like, he had just seen the live action Aladdin movie, and this was like one of my longer lift rides that I took in Kentucky, because I was like lifting to where Bill was working at the time to meet up with him to like get a drink or something, and uh, I didn't. Li- we didn't live very close to it. Um, but this guy would not stop talking about Aladdin. He was like, it was a good movie, man. I cried. The guy <laughs> Richie, the guy Richie Aladdin. Yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Dude. I couldn't stand the guy Richie Aladdin personally, <laughs> but I would be interested to hear somebody that it. got a lot of joy out of it. I would be interested to hear why and what he thought it. of it. Yeah, dude. Like I do that all like when I have, I, I'm interested. Like I want to know, like I've only had like maybe one Lyft or Uber driver be offended by it. But even then, like, once we started talking, he kind of understood. Like, I was just like... Oh, I never started. They always started. And I'm just like, yeah, dude. How about well, that? It was like, <laughs> we were taught... I was drunk, and I was in, like, an Uber. Oh, we were yeah. crammed full of people, you know. It was, like, oh, a van yeah, Uber that I ordered for everybody. It was after a wedding in San Diego. And this guy picked us up. And he I found out, you know, I was talking to him. I was in the front seat because I'm large. So everybody's like, well, you get in the front end. I'm okay. Like, I'll get oh, in the yeah, front yeah. seat. And then I start talking to the driver. And we were just chatting, and he was telling me, oh, I'm from Iran, like, I was, I've was, i been here this long, you know, blah, 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 I'm driving for Uber, and I was just talking to him, like, oh, you know, what made you want to come here, or whatever, you know, and he kind of looked at me, like, a little bit, like, I would, like, offended him or something for asking yeah. that, but, like, I, I guess he saw in my face that, like, it wasn't, like, I wasn't, like, what are you doing here, like, it was, what like, are literally, you doing right, here? like, it was, like, I wanted to know, like, what motivated you to, like, make this trek, <laughs> like, kind of to, like, yeah. uproot your life and come here, and then we started talking, and, you know, he, he started telling me about his family, and, and I was, like, yeah, like, I like that, I'll never see that guy again in my life, but, like, hopefully we had this little bit of talk between each other, it was a pleasure to talk to him, like, yeah. Dude, I was waiting in line at the bank the other day. I was talking to this woman. It was a long-ass fucking line. Something was going wrong. A computer system's down or something. Oh, yeah. So everybody was freaking out. And this woman and I were sitting in line. 
and we just start joking, dude. Like she just starts joking with me and I start joking back. And then we just start talking for like 45 minutes until we're out at the end of the line. At the end of the line, she turned to me and she was just like, well, this is it. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I don't even know your name, but it's been a fucking pleasure. <laughs> like it's been a fucking pleasure waiting in line with you, like joking about how ridiculous this is. Like, <laughs> and then I'm never going to see her again. Probably. I'm never, I didn't even know her name, but like we started chatting and I got some connection out of it and that, you yeah. know, and like yeah, Sophie said, even if you're connection. introverted, yeah, like I'm much more outroverted. Uh, outroverted, extroverted. Extroverted, whatever the fuck it is. Dude, all these people want to categorize their fucking personalities. Yeah, dude. These fucking, well, psychology told me my personality's a little fucked up, so. I'm a Virgo. Yeah, yeah, dude, people love throwing that. Love you're is that a Virgo. A, is that a Virgo trait? Is that why you're throwing that at me? Or? No. No. What, being a talker? Yeah. No. Your obnoxious organization and your general um, stubbornness, however, are. Yeah, that's what my wife tells me all the time, yeah. She's such a Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you're the most Virgo Virgo I've ever met in my life. Like. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Yeah. I mean. And see, I don't even know what they're talking about most of the time when people say that to me. I'm yeah, like, you mean I'm correct? I'm like, you mean yeah, I'm Yeah, literally, correct? that's the most Virgo thing you could say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you mean I'm correct? Yeah, I get. I think so too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, hold on, let me pee real quick. I only have a few more questions left. Well, I'm a Libra, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> Lazy Libra. Is that why we get along? I don't fucking know. Oh man, I was just about to pull up your natal chart for our listeners here. You a little natal chart action. Well, don't give my birthday out, but no. you can still talk about it. No, it's not going to be real anyway, because I don't know your birth time. I guess I could You're ask my on mother. A cusp, my mother knows. She texts me every year on my birthday. She texts well, me that. Yeah. You can let me know later, and I'll fill our, our I'll fill everyone in on the next episode. I think it was early morning. Like oh, 6 a.m., 4 a.m. That means, type ugh, stuff. your poor mother. Yeah. She didn't even, like, have a day first, you know? And I was three weeks late. She always tells me that, too. Damn, you were an asshole. <laughs> I was supposed to be born on the 6th. Yeah. Damn. At least that's, you know, the, the rough estimate they gave her or whatever. When, but, yeah. Virgo. Yeah. But yeah, okay, so we talked about that. What is it about Christmas? Scrooge's trains change. Yeah, it's abrupt. It's fun, though. It makes sense for something that's like sort of comedic and family friendly. Well, and it's right after he sees his name on the grave, which is a big famous scene everybody knows from all the different versions, right? Uh, Scrooge crept towards it, trembling as he went and following the finger, read upon the stone of the neglected grave his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. Am I that man who lay upon the bed, he cried, upon his knees, the finger pointed from the grave to him and back again. No, spirit, oh, no, no, the finger still was there. Spirit, he cried, tight clutching at its robe, hear me, I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been, but for this intercourse. Why show me this if I am past all hope? And this is like his moment of like realizing that like he can redeem himself. Like he yeah. does, I am not the man I was. There's an eagerness. 
Yeah. Yeah. I am not the man I was. That person's no longer there. Like, I'm a new new person now. Yeah, it's abrupt. But they do it, justify it by him seeing his own death. It does. Yeah, so they it works. do. Like, yeah. It does have that sense of, it's a new year. New me. I'm a new me. I'm going to go to gym. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm going to go to the gym. Worst time to go to the gym. Oh, yeah, January. <laughs> as a regular gym rat, uh, as a Planet Fitness gym person, like that annoying guy that's literally always there and people see me uh, at the same time every day. Um, uh. Yeah, I can confirm. January is the time when you see a lot of new faces that you never see again after January. Kind oh, yeah. of thing. Especially at a place like Planet Fitness, which is like the oh, everyman's, like, yeah. cheap, like the cheap gym. Yeah, Dude, I wonder what the employee, like, pep talk is before that. Like, all right, guys, we know it's coming. Sick, I could ask. <laughs> I'm friendly with all the employees. <laughs> like, they see me every day. Like, so, like, do you name, guys, man. like, prepare for the surge, like, of, of new customers? I, say, I know the manager there. I'll talk to her. <laughs> yeah. Melissa, she says hi to me every morning when I walk in there. Yeah. Well, there you go. You can ask Melissa. Yeah. It's him or the guy, Brian. He's the, those are usually the two that are there when I'm there, like, running the front desk, at least. I think the one girl's afraid of me that, like, whenever I say hi, she kind of, like, averts her eyes type thing. And then the guy just calls me by and he's like, hi, guy. Hey, Andrew. I'm like, hey, what's up? It's like checking my little fucking scan card. Beep. Okay, you can enter. Dude, can we just talk about the facial hair of the 19th century? Oh, I'm glad you brought it up. Let's do it. (laughs) Talk facial hair. I mean, well, first of all, let me just pull up an image here. My computer's going to take a minute. So, you know, I mean, and this, okay, this was like a really fucking bad time for facial hair. It was really, really bad, uh, bad century all around. Uh, Did not play favorites, at least as far as the Western world is concerned. Uh, Whether you were in England or you were in uh, the U.S., if you were a man and you grew facial hair, it was probably really, really bad. Well, you know, no safety razors. There was literally just straight razors. And um, if you could afford to keep a razor sharp and, like, shave yourself every day, you were probably wealthy. Like, I mean, have you ever been to, like, the Gettysburg Museum? Oh, yeah, dude. We grew up in Maryland. I've been there. Yeah. I said, that when you're thinking about, like, 1800s facial hair, I'm thinking, okay, pictures of presidents, pictures of Civil War generals. So, <laughs> Civil yeah, War like, is what I go yeah. to, yeah, every time. Like, General think, Burnside. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, the fucking <laughs> yeah, 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 facial dude. hair on some of those Who is this soldiers. guy? Who this is Dickens, dude. Oh, that's Dickens? That's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's dude, that's, that's going to be on our artwork. That's for bad. Year. That'll be our, our The man our, had bad facial hair. That'll be our episode artwork. Dickinson's little goatee. He wasn't particularly ugly either. Yeah. Uh but damn he was a that law clerk. weird atrocious and it was like in a V all the time. Like very frequently it was like in this weird fucking shape. And I don't understand what is up with that. I don't know if this was like just the look. I don't know if maybe there was just, uh, uh, like, we didn't, like, people didn't know how to, like, shape it yet. Or yeah. if it was just, like, no, we're all going to do, like, this flying V thing, and it's going to be rad, and the ladies will like it. 
I mean, there weren't clippers to shape it. There were not safety razors. It was straight razors all the way. So if you wanted to do like a weird design or like a little sew patch, like you needed a barber to cut that in for you. Yeah, you but this isn't like a little design. This is just like I grew it out and I decided that I'm going to part it down the middle yeah. like a whale tail. <laughs> <laughs> little bow tie beard, dude. <coughs> it's like the reverse of like, like right. a woman doing a whale tail with a thong. Oh, it's that, but of the face. We're pro whale tails on this podcast, dude. At least I mean, I uh, yeah. of course, Sophie always. Is not, yeah. No, of course I am always pro bring it back. Tails, yeah. I mean, back. not uh, not low rise jeans. You got to figure out a better way. You yeah. got to make it work with different pants. <laughs> That's my only uh, request. We'll take it. Flap that whale tail. Yeah. So uh, facial hair. That was good. Enjoyed that. Didn't quite go bald either. My last oh, thing. He kind of did, I guess. Oh, dude, men. Look oh. at that comb over. Now that I'm looking at it, uh, looks pretty comb overish. Uh. Yeah, it not. It looks like like every like most men, where you start to recede. Uh, and I guess this was before the time when all like if you were wealthy you could get hair plugs, but. Um, yeah, he's definitely bald under that flap of hair on top, dude. Or at least yeah. behind it, for sure. It's like, the, the couple of those pictures, it looks like the hat clearly matted it down. But then that last one you sent me, it looks like it's more styled for a photograph. Like, not yeah. like he wasn't wearing a hat beforehand. You can see that it's very, uh, very much receded, almost to the halfway oh, yeah. on the sides there. Um, yeah, people are it's curious. okay on him, though. I'm uh, male pattern baldness. It's... Uh, People don't understand. It terrifies you. Yes, it terrifies me. And uh, I'm my hairline started receding. I noticed it when I was 26. Uh, it's not yeah, even I that bad. I recall bad. those days. You're like, freaking the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, when I first noticed it, like, it's not <laughs> terrible. It's, it's, but it's like, I was like, oh my God. Like, literally, like, uh, and at that time, dude, I had that luscious long hair. Like, it was like, literally, oh, yeah. like, dude, like, my hair literally got me number. Like, it got me numbers. All right. Like, that's what it did. Like, in my early 20s yeah. having like being like the bum artist with the long hair uh, it worked for me for a while there but it was like that's how I met my wife but it was like you know I was like oh my god those days are over. like it was like that like coming to like the end of it type thing and I remember I'd be in Sophie's apartment and like freaking out about my hairline and talking to, <laughs> talking to your husband and stuff and he'd be like dude you know relax and I'm like no I can't I can't uh, and I remember talking to my barber about it. Like, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's starting to recede. And he's like, where? And I was like, look, I know it's subtle, okay, but I can see it. I can see it, all right? I can see it. It's not where it used to be, like, five years ago. Yeah, dude. It, I mean, it could be way worse, man. It could I know be, people yes. fucking younger than you. And I ran into too, somebody yeah. recently, and I was like, Whoa. Especially now at this age. And he's a younger guy, too. He's in his, like, mid-20s, probably. And I'm like, oh, and he was, like, a good-looking kid. You know, he was like a very classically like Abercrombie style good looking kid. Right. And I was like, oh, this is going to break your soul. It does. <laughs> this no, is going to no, People don't understand. How Especially much that for breaks. someone who's like yeah. good looking. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. For someone who is like really took care of themselves and they're like, oh, fuck. And it's, it's not talked about at yeah. all because oh, anything yeah. that plagues men is not talked about, but it's just like this, like it is a huge spirit, like dispiriting thing that like men oh, just yeah. deal with. And everyone's like, oh, shut oh, up. Yeah. But yeah, uh, look at good hair plugs. Matthew McConaughey has great uh, oh, hair yeah, plugs. Um, 
I just watched the Nick Cage movie. He has mediocre hair plays. They're not great, yeah. but you can tell he has them. Um, Bill Maher. Uh, oh, yeah? Oh, my God, yeah, dude. And he always makes jokes about bald people. I'm like, dude, you have hair plus. Like, you literally got the like the surgery. Like, you got it. Like, <laughs> like you can tell. Like, he has it. Like, dude, anybody whose oh, head man, is going bald Martin and then stops. Go bald. Anybody who's uh, – you can see this. There's uh, – if people are interested – commented i can direct you to uh <laughs> youtube channels that do this better than i do but you can tell and usually anybody that has that receding hairline that kind of goes back at the edges and then it stops and they're like stops at maybe the age 30 40 in celebrities and it just stays there for the rest of their life they've had hair plugs like and they usually wow. if you've had expensive ones they're tasteful so it's like done well so it's not like they're just making your hairline straight across anymore they're working with what you have so it's not like a shocking like difference in like your look mcconaughey has good ones if you look at pictures of him this is real oh yeah dude you can see it here yeah so if you just put a picture of bill maher see it he's basically a bald man there. yes he is but it stopped right like he he's in his 60s now too if you look at somebody like bill maher and it's like it's thinned right there at the front, but it's stopped. Like, it's not going back any further. And he's well into his 60s now. So he's had some enhancements to that to make it just not go all the way, you know, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's a big, big, big thing for men that uh, is never never mentioned at all. But it's huge. Uh, devastating. Literally soul-crushing. It can ruin your life. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one of those, like, I didn't get married and I just want to fuck women, like, you know, right. and he doesn't have like a pretty face. So once that hair is gone, and he's short, notoriously short. Oh, is he? I didn't know. Uh, you can kind of tell when you see him. It's, I'm a, my wife and I watch Bill Maher every week, but it's like, um, yeah, you can kind of tell when he's on there with like a normal sized guest. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's not like terribly <laughs> short, but he's like five, seven, five, eight ish kind of around there uh so if you're around like a, somebody that's any taller than that you look like a midget oh, i feel like i'm about to get deep deep into a, a history of bill maher's hairline yeah fascinating when you start going um, through that stuff. i mean yeah i get deep i'm one of those assholes i will get like deep into like before and after pictures like, oh, yeah, did this person have plastic surgery? Let's think yeah. about this for the next three hours. <laughs> well, and, like, the really good ones, like the celebrities that have money and can afford the top doctors, it is kind of, if they're good, they're not doing drastic changes to, like, make people notice. So it's, like, is subtle. You're like, did they? Yeah. I can't tell. Like, kind of, what a great okay. doctor. Like, you must have had a great surgeon. Yeah. Operating on your face. <laughs> <laughs> That scares the shit out of me, dude. I don't know how yeah, people do dude, that. Like, horrifying. Sounds yeah. awful. Can you imagine just like getting your chin shaved? Like no. the bones, no. <laughs> not just like the hair. No, like, I can't. Fucking no. No amount of horse face. No amount of horse face would make me want to. I can't say that actually. Maybe some amount of horse face would make me want to get my chin shaved off. Shaving chins. Yeah. And not just the hairs, not just with the goatee. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's why Dickens did that really ridiculous goatee. He had like a very goofy, fucked up chin. You yeah, like when you he like, had no chin. There was this guy I worked with. He had like a kind of like a, a hipster beard, and then like he would shave it like every once a year or whatever. 
And then like everybody be like, oh, you shaved it. And when he would, I'd be like, damn, you got a goofy looking face. (laughs) No wonder you keep that beard up, dude. You got that weird looking face. Yeah, Yeah, the beard makes it look way better. Yeah, keep that beard. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's like yeah. Uh, All right, what was the unfortunate for the men who can't grow beards? Yeah, dude. All right, so we have this happy redemption ending here since we've been talking about everything on in this book. Um, What do we think of it? What do we think of the ending? Oh, it's fine like a happy happy redemption yeah it's just it's like it's happy it's like and then you know fucking god bless us everyone like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) are you supposed to say about it god bless us i mean it's that celebratory thing like you see it in the movies where he's in the street and everybody's happy and like stuff like that make a joke he lives on the total abstinence principle when it comes to spirits he doesn't fuck with them anymore. It's like the It's a Wonderful Life, man. You're actually the richest man in the fucking town, actually. You just didn't know it. It just wasn't money that you were wealthy in. Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's good. I like the moments where it feels like our narrator is talking to us directly. With the you? When he cuts yeah, into the you, yeah. second person you, referencing the reader? Yeah, yeah I noticed that too. Um, like when he is talking about the spirit and he's like, it's, you know, as much here as I am here standing like right at your elbow, you know, like that was kind of fun. It's those moments that you can, I can imagine, uh, a really lively reading. Yeah. God bless us. But yeah, it's fun. I'm glad to have read it. It's really like a low commitment kind of read. It didn't like knock anything loose for me. It didn't like blow me away. I didn't experience any extreme nostalgia. Um, I did watch a little bit of a Muppet Christmas. It's a good one, dude. The songs. On here just to, I, I'll just listen to the songs sometimes. Because that's really, that it really is the best one. The other ones really do kind of suck. And it came out right at the right time for our childhood. Like, that came yeah. out, like, what, like, 94? I wasn't big on the Muppets, but I liked like that. I liked some of the movies. Yeah, Jim Henson, dude. Maryland represent, dude. University of Maryland. Jim Henson. Oh, dude, bro. I fucking, I, fucking, I didn't say I didn't like Jim Henson. Yeah, just, you know, Muppets. Other Jim Henson. Muppets, dude. Um... I guess he was dead by the time they did. I mean, no, I think the Muppets really Christmas like Carol was the last crystal. thing he did before he died. With, like, the Muppets. Was it, like, Treasure Island? I feel like maybe, like, Treasure Island. The Treasure Island, Island was a good I also, one. Like, yeah. The Black Spot. I also think yeah. I got, like, scared. Yeah, the Black Spot really freaked me out. <coughs> and I think that turned me Gonzo off and of Rizzo. the Muppets. Yeah. Which I already kind of had a hard time with just because, like, Sesame Street used to give me nightmares. Damn. And Muppets is only... You know, it's just such a short step away. It's still puppets. Something about those puppets really got to me. I would have this recurring nightmare. I'd have this recurring nightmare, dude, where it was like I was in this cave. And it was like off this winding highway on the side of a mountain. And everything inside was covered in bright pink bubble gum. And I was chewing bubble gum. And the count was there. And he's like, you got to keep chewing. Uh, uh, uh." And... I was like, okay, and I just had to keep chewing. My jaw was so <laughs> fucking tired, dude. And it, well, I, like, I was covered in it. It was everywhere. I was stuck. I like couldn't get home. It was awful. Yeah. Couldn't watch Sesame Street. Damn, dude. That is quite a nightmare. It was really fucked up. 
Yeah, you can't even enjoy children's entertainment. Sophie just has or terrible, bubble gum. Sophie <laughs> had terrible nightmares. Like every time she watched like a friendly kids show, she was, oh my god. Yeah, my sister cried at Disney on Ice. Damn, it's because terrifying. it was sad, or because she was terrified of the character. It's like horrifying. Because she was sad. Disney on Ice was big when we were kids too. Yeah, huge. Yeah, I never actually went to one. So was like all that shit, the circus. I guess that's just like big when you're a kid. Right? Yeah, but it's kind of the last big. I mean, circuses don't exist anymore, dude. Like, like all those like dinky little things that you get yeah. when you go to shit like that, like little light up things and. Right. God, yeah, that shit. Like that's what it is, right? Like it just makes it all just makes you nostalgic for childhood. Yeah, same thing with circus. You know what it was for me, dude. I know it probably was for you too. Thing I remember the most about state fairs and the circus because they were all on Timonium Fairgrounds there. Oh, in Maryland, yeah. and I remember when you park and you go into the Timonium Fairgrounds for the state fair or the circus, whatever was coming there that time to use the space, you had to walk by the livestock barns uh, to get in when you oof. parked your car in the lot. And that I just smell. remember the smell, yeah, like the smell of like animal shit and piss. Like every time oh, I yeah. walked into the circus or the state fair, and I remember like I just remember it so vividly, dude. I remember the white concrete stalls. The uneven terrain, the smells, I'll never forget it. Every time I went to a fair or a circus, I had to smell animal shit before you came in, you know? Oh, yeah. It's uh, very circus unique to, uh, yeah, shout out to anybody listening in Baltimore. They'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> 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 Probably nobody. Uh, yeah, that and stuff. that one house on Giddings, you know, right at the end up there. It always dresses up for, for Christmas. They do it up. Giddings up. I don't remember that one. Oh, dude. Is that a Towson thing? It's right. I mean, it's like down the street from my parents. Right. There are a lot of houses that are right down yeah, over Roger, there. Rogers Forge area. Rogers Forge area. Yeah. Like where Giddings turns into Walker. Like okay. Giddings meets York Road and becomes Walker by like the Drum Castle apartments and all that. God damn, we're getting deep into it now. Deep into it, y'all. Um, deep into the Wells Christmas Lickers. lore. Deep Over by Wells Liquors. Yeah. Stop by Wells. We used to know people that worked there when we were teens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they would get us booze. Yeah. No. Um, uh, I guess that's it. We like the happy ending. Very yeah, Christmas. Yeah, man. I mean, like, would it be better if it ended? Scrooge didn't redeem himself and was miserable. And Tiny Tim is dead, and now it's like <laughs> we're ending the, the Christmas The cripple story. kid died. <laughs> I mean, that sounds remarkably Jewish. <laughs> it sounds like the Hanukkah celebration, not Christmas, <laughs> if you killed everybody. <laughs> that sounds like a Jewish god. Yeah, it sounds like the Hanukkah tradition, uh, where it's just about suffering and death, yeah. surviving oppression. We're literally at Passover. It's like, you know, you ask all of these questions and it's just the answer to all of them is because never forget your suffering. <laughs> the like, blood the of the thing. lamb. Never forget. We had to mark our doors so that we didn't get killed by the angry God. You were a slave. <laughs> your ancestors were slaves. Remember. Yeah, um, dude. That, that is, uh, that is, that's always funny when you bring that up, yeah. <laughs> there's one that's literally like why do we sit back on a pillow and the answer is we recline I'm like that's all you got what is this we these recline? are questions you ask at yeah. passover as part of the, the tradition four questions yeah it's four questions it's like all in 
I have like this children's Haggadah that my parents gave like me and my sister when we were younger. Right. And we used to read. That's like one tradition I would say we had. Me and my sister didn't take it very seriously, but we would like take it upon ourselves to do our own renditions of the various stories. Yeah, I mean, dude, the reason I know all the Bible stories, Old Testament and New... Is because of the fucking Bible? Well, specifically <laughs> because, because when I was you little... You went to Catholic school? Well, that too, but specifically because when I was little, my parents gave me this, like, children's Bible that was, like, dumbed-down versions of the stories, and they were, like, you know, illustrated and stuff in cartoon. And it was my favorite book as a kid because of, like, the some of the stories in there, like the Tower of Babel and stuff were, like, some of my favorite ones. So, like, I would just my make my mom read it to me every night. Like, I'm talking literally, like, younger than five type thing. Uh, it was just one of my favorite books. So I, like, knew all the stories basically from this fucking children's Bible that, like, I had, like, and was, like, obsessed with as a kid. Because if people, even if you take the religious stuff out of it, like, there's some great fucking stories. Right? Those are some great fucking, you know, sci-fi stories. I just liked all the parts stories. about God dropping frogs on Pharaoh's head. Yeah, that was a big one. That's how I know a lot of the Jewish traditions because I read the Old Testament, but like in a little kid version. Yeah. Like I didn't have to actually read like the full prosy style like text in high school or anything. I'd read sections of it or something when they made me take those courses. But reading the actual whole thing, I've actually never done. But I've read the children's thing, the whole thing over and over again. Which is dumbed down. Yeah, it's just less violent. They don't have like the horror aspect to it. Like, you know like uh jesus saving the whores and, and stuff like that they, they leave that part out yeah <laughs> for the kids version or whatever but uh, yeah man and it is it's just this redemption i guess we if we want to get really into it the pagan tradition right i mean really it follows the moon right it's the the birth of the new moon is what they say that the birth of jesus christ comes out is it from well, if you want, if you want to get really into the history of this, people can look up. There's plenty of you know little twenty minute YouTube videos that go into some of this. There's some documentaries, but yeah, you know, a lot of stuff is this mix of Christian, Jewish, you know, um, pagan, and there's a lot of stuff we added in the Victorian era when Queen Victoria started doing things for Christmas. That became so. Some of the traditions aren't that old. Some of them are thousands of years old. You know, like putting up a tree and lighting it and decorating it. Like that's thousands of years old. Um, and if you look at the history of like actual like the saint Saint Nicholas, who Santa Claus is based off of and stuff like that, there's German lore. There's you know more Nordic lore and things like that. And then there's like kind of the southern regions of Europe had different lore about it too. Uh, and then they've all kind of been smashed together throughout the centuries to like kind of make what we now know as like Western, mostly Christian kind of the story of Christmas and Jesus and stuff. Uh, so we could get into like that kind of thing, but um, maybe that's where it's all come from. This is the new year, new beginning, end of one thing, celebrating a new thing. I don't know, but we love Learn fucking Christmas, me. dude. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a wonderful life, dude. I, I can't. I gotta watch it now. I'm gonna probably watch it tonight, dude. I'll put it on. Yeah, I'll watch it too, but probably not tonight because husband is homesick. Yeah, this is my wife. She's homesick today. So I guess like... he gets to control the TV. Has he seen it? He's definitely seen it. I so doubt it. Oh, I bet he has, dude. I so doubt it, dude. I just walked downstairs and he was watching something called Troll. Never heard of it. 
Oh, I think it's like Irish Godzilla. <coughs> I don't know. <coughs> but it's troll. <laughs> troll. It's Godzilla, but a troll instead of Godzilla. Dude, I, I tear up every time I watch it, dude. I don't tear Godzilla? up during... Godzilla? No. Uh, oh, I want <laughs> I don't Godzilla. tear up during a Christmas carol. But... Well, but like, which one do you watch other than the Muppets one? Like, which one? Uh, usually the Muppets one and the Mr. Magoo one are the one I watch almost every year or every other year. You know, not every fucking year, but... But every couple years, I'll watch those because those are the ones I watched as a kid over and over again. So I really like those. Mm. We had the Mr. Magoo's on like a VHS. Um, I don't know that. And like I the Disney... really truly think I only know the Muppets one. Like that's the yeah. only one I think I've actually seen all the way through, other than like stage productions, which I've I was bored to death by the way. As a child. I've never seen a stage yeah. production. But. but I was also, like, inattentive and bored generally. That wasn't, like, specific to that play. I don't know, dude. As I get older, I cry at a lot of weird things now, too. Oh, yeah? I mean, dude, just the end of books and stuff. How I weird just, we talking? Oh, I mean, well, not yeah, even weird, just, but, like, what I just... Yeah, not weird. Way more than I used to is all I mean. Like, way more than I would, like, even five years ago when Shit. I read certain things and I'll just like sob for like 20 minutes after I read it. You got that low T man? Low T. Yeah. <laughs> low T. No, I mean, maybe, you know, I love the, I love those commercials. Oh, with the testosterone replacement. Yeah. yeah. It's a very real thing, man. Mm -hmm. So I hear. Well, there's a way people talk about it. If you talk about it in like the kind of manosphere online, I mean, people are talking about it in kind of a derogatory way. If you talk about it in other ways, where there's like the literal, the biological occurrence of like the the hor like your your, your glands stop producing as much testosterone as they uh, would. Yeah, I assume I assume that can be a legit issue for some people. So you look at somebody like Joe Rogan's on testosterone. Jeff Bezos is definitely on. Basically, what we're saying is I'm not making like a joke. I mean, I was. <laughs> I was definitely making a joke. <laughs> You're a bitch. That's yeah. what I'm saying. No, I'm joking. Right. I can handle we it, can dude. Cut all that. I can cut all that out. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. For sure. People have always said that. Like, yeah. Fucking Scrooge. Oh, that's the other place I've seen it. I've seen Scrooge McDuck. Oh, the Scrooge McDuck, yeah. And then the Bill Murray Scrooge that everybody plays on, like, TBS every year. I don't know if I remember. I like remember the name, but I don't know if I like remember it. But I would Just imagine like, if that that would be up there. If there is one that I remember, I'm sure that would be among them. But just like how iconic, it's like the name Scrooge. You can't name any other character Ebenezer or Scrooge any longer, like because oh, of no. this story. Like, this story, it's just too famous. It's too big of a character. Yeah. It's like if you're going to name your Holden Caulfield. Or not as, and even this is bigger than Holden Caulfield or anything like it that. It is. Right? So it's like just those iconic Because you know characters. someone out there would hear Holden and be like, oh, that's yeah. an interesting name. Where yeah, did you hear that? I don't know why I went Southern. I'm not saying anything about Southern people. I'm not making a comment about <sighs> it. just want to be clear. That was just a fucking dumb voice I did. <sighs> <laughs> yeah so it's like so iconic with that i mean i just can't i mean i just i love christmas i love the stuff uh, around christmas all part of it 
I like candles and lights and shit. Favorite and songs? Cookies. I don't really care about Christmas music. No, no Christmas music. What do you think? I'm going to keep going for a little bit, because if so, I'm going to grab something to drink. No, I mean, I, I covered yeah. everything I wanted to. Yeah, I didn't really have much notes. The only big note that I had that, I, like, really made a lot of sense to me that he would say, like, oh, I don't want to sacrifice entertainment for the literary. Yeah, I guess we didn't talk as much about, like, writing craft as we normally do, but, like, whatever. It's a Christmas book, dude. This is it's Christmas. It's a Christmas book. This is the Christmas episode. I mean, like, it's fucking Dickens, dude. It's great craft. We'll fucking yeah. read Great Expectations next time or something. Yeah, I haven't read that, and now I'm like, yeah, I want to. One of the big books. I remember the movie. I remember being really interested in the movie when I was younger. And I think, you know, I guess it was just that time, like the very Christian time or like Victorian kind of Puritan time where they were just all about these redemption kind of Christmas stories. I, you know, propriety and, and things like that. Yeah. So it's Yeah, like, I don't know anything about the history except what I looked up earlier. That uh, was just like, I mean, basically, from what I understand, like Puritans were like no Christmas. They were like really anti. Right. Is that accurate? Well, like, I, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, Puritans were just anti everything, shit. dude. Puritans were just anti anything fun, nostalgic, anything that brought you joy because that was like immediately suspicious. And I think people, we are on some level suspicious of things that make us happy to some extent. Things Let's that make see. us sad. <clears throat> yeah, when Massachusetts banned Christmas, the Puritan War on Christmas, blah, blah, blah. Dude, those fucking Puritans in Massachusetts, dude, those fucking Puritans. Tiny state, you know? Dude, and the, yeah, the, all those fucking Mayflower landings and shit, and those fucking people with their Puritan bullshit telling us we can't have Christmas. Fucking pilgrims. The, I don't even... I'm just conflating shit now. Say so we bring it back, start burning witches. See if they float! Yeah. I'm say, dude, we're well within that time. I was, we're not burning witches, but I was, uh, we're doing the metaphorical equivalent right now in our oh, culture. Oh, yeah. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny Tim. His little high chair next to Bob Cratchit, dude. Oh, yeah, he is pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, why are you so happy? Because he's so pure of heart. Nah. He's the antithesis to Scrooge. No one's that pure. Yeah, I mean, no one is that pure, but, <clears throat> you know, it's a story. I'm a pure, broken little boy. He's broken, but he's not. You know, the Simon Birch kind of speaking of, <laughs> speaking of tear jerkers, dude. Simon Birch. Yeah. Talk to, you know, he'll want to talk to you about that one. Who? It's one of Bill's favorite. Oh, really? Favorite little throwbacks. Was that, wasn't that some fucked up movie? Yeah. It's very sad. It's up there with like my girl and shit. Where does you know, someone like play? 
Hold up. You mean like the the source material for the movie? Yeah, like, but uh, who? There was something like really funny about that movie that I can't think of, and it just had Bill and John both cracking up. Um, cause they like watched it together one time. I don't fucking know. It's really weird. It's also really fucking weird that they chose to watch this together. It's a sad movie, man. And that one's about friendship too. Loss. It's like my girl with that kind of. Yeah. I didn't loss. watch my girl either. The loss dude. It just sounded so, I remember my girl seeming so depressing. I was like, why the fuck would I watch this? Yeah. I mean, sometimes people just want to be sad. They want to cry. Ugh. Dramas. Sometimes. I mean, you know, you don't even... Ex- like yeah, I said, I sometimes it. these books, dude. It. I'll read these books and I'll be like, oh my God. I didn't even realize how much it was like affecting me until like I finish. I just tear up. Oh. Those poor little handicapped kids, dude. <laughs> Those poor little handicapped kids suffering, dude. God bless everyone. Yeah, dude, and they're so pure of heart, and you're like, oh. They talk like this. Yeah, well, like, the idea that, like, yeah. I mean, this, this that's a constant theme, too, right? We could talk separate piece. We could talk, what's that? That's that stump. What's 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 that short story with that boy who loses his arm? Oh, I don't know. Uh, but tell me, I want to read it. I can't remember it, dude. Uh, it's very famous though where it's like there's two boys the one's the football star and he loses his arm and it's told through the kid that like he always was jealous of this kid because he was better at football he was better in school he had more friends and he loses his arm and the kid is like happy that he lost his arm because now he gets to be the starting fullback in the football team oh, and like fuck. but then he learns that like the kid that lost his arm in the accident is like you know has a heart of gold he's literally a saint like the guy's like still like better than him as a person and he kind of realizes you know that the whole kind of moral of the story that actually he's a terrible person for like you know and this guy that he thought he wishing ill on somebody that that appeared to have it all yeah sounds good i'd read it redemption man it's a famous short story. I can't even remember the name of it. Can't remember. Oh, God, dude, this is what all these English degrees are for, for me to not remember the name of a story that I just describe in detail. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Sure, from the description, you could find it. Yeah. All right. Oh. All right, we done? God bless us. <laughs> yeah we're done uh reminder to listeners we're still looking for those workshop horror stories send a workshop horror story to heavyboardpodcast at gmail.com we also have subscription plans for go to patreon.com slash heavyboard and you can receive full uncensored access to our entire back catalog bonus episodes etc including the bonus episodes i'm going to do on these film adaptations of a christmas carol sign up to get those if you don't want to do that can't there are other ways to support us you can leave us a five-star review on apple that helps us out you can check out subscribe like share our youtube channels anything on there that helps us support that helps support us and helps us grow uh and this is our last one for the year here so we're going to be starting off the year with a little celebrity poetry next episode um we're going to be doing a little lana del rey 
Violet bent backwards over the grass. Yeah. So, <laughs> so stay tuned. This has been Heavy Board. Yes. God bless us. God bless us, everyone. Bye, Hitler. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's a little sign off. Bye, Hitler. <laughs> Hitler's secret Christmas, dude. <laughs> like a new book. May, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about like what it would be like if I wrote a children's book. I feel like it would be very nose forward. Really just get that trauma out of the way. Yeah, dude. Help young marginalized large nose havers, dude. Do a... Large nose havers. Yeah. <laughs> It's a new, Marginali- it's, a, it's, it's a new marginalized, yeah. It's a new marginalized identity, dude. That you you can <laughs> yeah. suffer from only only a few people that suffer from it, but they must be accommodated. Dude, I fucking remember watching this episode of one of those fucking like TLC shows. I don't fucking know, and it was like this sixteen-year-old girl, and she really wanted a nose job. Um. And I was like, what? And then I saw the girl. It's that large. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, yeah, it seems like the good mom thing to do. (laughs) The stage. Correct. Correct the genetics, dude. Dude, I mean, it was a honker. And it was like pointy and long and like. Witch nose. Oh, it was bad. Dude, my niece told me I have a witch nose. Like, at the dinner table. Say, that's a kind micro- of recently. Microaggression, dude. Microaggression. Aren't you old enough to know? <laughs> like, Aren't you old enough not to not... to say bitchy yeah. things. Like... Stop, stop microaggressing at the dinner table. Yeah. To a marginalized nose haver. God damn, bitch. That's marginalized fucking large nose havers. One of those where I feel like we didn't really talk about the book and we just talked about what Christmas means, but I don't care. Heavy. Bored. Heavy. I am heavy, heavy, heavy. Bored. Sweats and the day sweats, pal. Pal, I do.